As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Hello and welcome back to Cradio. In today's episode, I sit down with Father Leo Padlinghook all the way from the US. Um, he's the host of Savoring Our Faith on EWTN, a cooking show in which he cooks and discusses theology as he does it. So um, today he tells us a bit about himself and we also discuss the Mass, the Mass as a meal, and whether it's appropriate for us to have such a huge emphasis on the Mass as a meal as opposed to a sacrifice. So I hope you enjoy it. Radio. So today we're joined by Father Leo Patalinghug, author of um, Grace Before Meals, Spicing Up Married Life and Epic Food Fights. Father, you've only been in Sydney for a few hours. How are you going? How, how are you liking it? Oh, well, since you have the best coffee in the world, that's what I've been told, I'm very much awake. But it's also very energizing to be in a place where evangelization is really just taking root. So I'm doing great. That's excellent. Well, we're really grateful for you to be here with us, for joining us for this interview. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Father. Who are you? What do you do? People know you as the cooking priest. Yeah. What does that mean? So I'm a priest of the secular institute called Voluntas Dei, which means the will of God. And as a Catholic priest involved in missionary activity, my job as a secular institute priest is to enter into the world and to be a leaven in society. And so the institute really is helping people to understand their individual charism. And I believe that God has called me to the charism of evangelization through the use of food. So I host a TV show on EWTN called Savoring Our Faith. I've authored three books, and another one is on the way. They all have to deal with food and the power of food. I also speak around the world as kind of a, an inspirational speaker, motivational speaker, but also a theological presenter because I have a few theological degrees. Um, and then I also host the TV show, radio show, and um, now podcast called Shoot the Shiitake with Father Leo. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, Father, how did you get into all of this? I mean... Um, it was the coffee. <laughs> the coffee is what got me started. No, really, ultimately, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but it was the prayer. You know, who thinks of these? These are stupid ideas. Mm. Or they're grace-filled moments mm -hmm. where God uses stupid people to show his grace. You know, yeah. the preface of saints say, God chooses the weak and makes them strong in bearing witness to you. So mm. if there's anything good coming out of me, it's not coming from me. Yeah. It's coming from God. God can make a ridiculous idea of a cooking priest into an international movement. Absolutely. So did your passion for food develop alongside your passion for God and your vocation to the priesthood? Or were they? did, did one come first? What? You know, people ask it all the time. And to be honest with you, I, I think I would have to say that I liked food as a kid. You know, I mean... I didn't like all the food. I mean, pizza and chicken nuggets, that was the jam for me. <laughs> but when I started to uh, kind of explore different cuisine and watch cooking shows as a kid, that was exciting for me. But I never wanted to be a cook because they work way too hard. you know. And then I experienced a conversion to the priesthood, actually to the Catholic faith, then discerned the priesthood. And when I was in seminary, something kind of kicked in. And that was, I saw the power of food because I studied in Italy. I studied at the North American College in Rome. 
And it, Italians, I mean, my gosh, they take like three hours to have one meal. Mm. And that's all they do is they talk about food. Listen, I was on a train trying to learn Italian. And the three things that I discerned that Italians talk about is sex, politics, and food. <laughs> and sometimes it all means the same thing for these people. So I just realized that there was a culture of food, but that is one reason why Catholicism grew from Rome, mm. Roman Catholic, because they know how to celebrate our feast days are key. So I started to put two and two together. Why did Jesus become food? And boom, the theology of food kind of became my inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at a lot of seminaries, they teach the seminarians how to cook. So they that, do? You know, so they can, well, at least in Australia, as far as I know, they do. Oh, really? Okay. Um, you know, did, did that happen at you? Maybe they saw you, you know, hang on, this guy's a little bit different. He, he sort of knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, actually, that's not what my experience was in America. Yeah. They have food service already provided for you, and it's usually not the best food. Italy, they had great food at the seminary, uh, but they had a student kitchen on the fifth floor, the top of the seminary, which is the best view of Rome. And they had a student kitchen there, and I was in charge of it for many years because I was always up there. Mm. And... It gave me a chance to have a family meal with my friends, to have something less familiar and more, excuse me, less formal and more familiar. Yeah. Just food with a bunch of fellas, you know, barbecue, burgers, kind of homey American food. Mm -hmm. And so really, we never were taught culinary arts. I think it's good that they do it in Australia because... You know, I don't know if you all have rectories and cooks mm -hmm. for your priests, but I, I will have to admit that sometimes in America we can be spoiled as priests. We have everyone cooking for us and cleaning for us and yeah. grocery shopping, and we forget that we're fathers. Hmm. We got to be able to cook for our kids. No, absolutely. So, Father, in a lot of your talks, you speak about the Eucharist as a meal. I went to an Eastern Rite Mass, a Byzantine Mass, a couple of months ago, and one of the things that struck me most apart from, you know, the liturgy being so different, uh, was the fact that they use leavened bread for the Eucharist. Correct. And you actually have to chew it and eat Jesus. It was so strange after, you know, having a lifetime of unleavened bread, the host that we... That <laughs> and we the, and the nun used to say, don't chew it, you're hurting Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was just a really strange experience. It is a strange experience, but you, there's reasons why it's leavened. Mm. There's reasons why it's unleavened. Mm. And theologically... As long as it's bread, that's mm. all that matters. Yeah. The unleavened reminds us of the Old Testament, mm -hmm. the fact that people were in such a hurry, the bread didn't have time to rise. Mm -hmm. The leavened bread is only because Jesus did rise from the dead. Yeah, okay. And for that reason, yeah. it is still possible to have leavened bread and yes. still be a valid form of the Eucharist yes. as long as it's bread. Yeah. But interestingly enough, in today's world, everyone's so carb-sensitive and everyone is gluten-free this and that. It's almost like the devil is working with our immune system to make us not want to receive Jesus. That's frightening. Mm. And that's why I say, if you are one of these people who are so concerned that you're going to get sick because of the Eucharist, then just get a low-gluten host and, you know, use one of the pixes that I created. It's a special vessel called the gift, and you plug it onto uh, a different vessel, and you could have a low-gluten host, or just consume the precious blood. But please, don't hate wheat, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because that is what makes the Eucharist. Yeah, that's right. Um, and pasta. So well, please don't yes. hate wheat. <laughs> yes. So 
maybe you could speak a little bit more about um, the Eucharist as a meal. I mean, of course, it's both a meal and a sacrifice, and you need to find a way in the liturgy to um, make make it clear both that it's that it's a sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of Calvary we are presented at every Mass, and that it is, in fact, a meal. It's um, Well, technically, it's considered the liturgy mm. of the Eucharist, and that's the word that I think unites those two sentiments. The word liturgy in Greek just simply means work, mm-hmm. work of thanksgiving. So in order to make a meal, it takes a lot of work. In order to have it be a celebration, it that's work. I mean, like, to have a party, mm-hmm. there's a ton of work that goes into that. Mm. And so if we make sure we focus on the liturgy of the Eucharist, then we can call it also a celebration. We can call it a sacrifice. I mean, work is implied in Mm. sacrifice. It's a memorial celebration, which means making a memory. And that takes work to remember things because it requires you to practice it so that it's easily recalled in memory. So while people want to call it many things, the technical term is liturgy of the Eucharist, work of thanksgiving. So, Father, you also speak a lot about family family meals mm-hmm. and the importance of, you know, spending time cooking good food so that you can sit around as a family and, yeah. and enjoy each other's company and, and grow as a family. Yeah. Um, could you speak on the importance of that? What, Again, it's work, need, isn't it? I yeah. mean, to feed a family mm. takes a ton of work. To eat with your family takes a ton of work. Mm. That is why what we do at home... It resembles what we do at liturgy, at Mass. Mm. So as we gather around the Lord's table, we're supposed to gather around our dinner table, which is a sacred place, which is a place of sacrifice. It's a place where we celebrate, but more importantly, it's a place of formation. So I couldn't really care less what you eat at home just because <laughs> you could order out if the meal stinks, you know, get a mm. pizza delivered to you. But the idea of eating together is what I think the devil, so we got to talk about the devil, him or her, I like to be inclusive when I talk about the evil one. The devil doesn't want us to eat together. The devil doesn't want us to come to communion. The devil doesn't want us to share, break bread together. The devil doesn't want us to feed each other. So this idea of the family meal, it's not a happy kind of message. It's a positive message. But I'm just basically reminding families, if you don't feed your kids, the devil will. Frightening, but true. So there's that aspect of, of gathering together for a meal as a family. I yeah. Think, would you say that um, once we have, once families sort of grow and develop in eating together, they will, it will be a more natural progression into attending mass together as a family and and well one would hope yeah as long as people are making room for jesus at their own family dinner table Mm -hmm. the domestic churches alter Mm -hmm. so if jesus is a part of that then the parents can integrate and provide formation on christian doctrine Mm -hmm. because they are the primary educators of the household Mm -hmm. but a lot of times families don't even talk about faith you know in america we have a big celebration called thanksgiving unbelievably dry turkey. It's disgusting, really. I mean, that's why I wrap mine in bacon. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not Jewish. But the idea of having the family come together around that table, it's not a religious holiday, but everyone gets very spiritual. They start to pray before they eat. They make food baskets for poor people. They start acting really religious. 
because they know that Thanksgiving, the word in Greek, ukaristein, means Eucharist, that's the way that you get Christian doctrine. Mm. When you're actually making room at your dinner table for Jesus, the very act of cooking and feeding each other, learning from each other, and yeah, sharing faith with each other. How else is a family going to talk about Jesus? I mean, like, honestly, if a mom and dad sits down and says, kids, I want to talk to you about Jesus, Hmm. the kids are going to be bored to tears. But if you're sitting at the dinner table and you'd be like, hey, you know that reading from last Sunday? I was thinking about it. Do you guys mm. remember it? No. Well, let me just tell you what it was. Mm. What did you think about it? How do, like, we, do we make that real in our life? Yeah. Then guess what? The message mm. becomes incarnate. Yeah. It becomes digestible. Mm. I suppose that's, um, that goes more to the fact that it's, it's very important that if somebody is serious about their faith, and they're you know, discerning marriage with somebody else, it's important that they take into consideration whether the other person is actually Catholic. So that when it comes time to these, these sorts of things, where you're having family meals, it's a lot easier if both the parents are Catholic to have these sorts of conversations. Yes and no. You know, we can learn from our Protestant brothers and sisters. We can learn from anyone of different faith, as long as they're willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And talk about it in a way that's going to be helpful. You know, there's a <laughs> saying, you're not supposed to about speak you're not supposed to speak about sports, politics, or religion at the dinner table. And I say, no, talk about it. Just learn how to talk about it. Hmm. Conversation, this is the whole point of the work that I do. Conversation leads to conversion. And it's the same root word. But we've experienced such diversion, it's the same root word as divorce. We're so distracted, we're so diverted from each other. And I believe, and this is why Jesus became food, Food brings us together. Tell us just quickly uh, before we end a little bit about your ministry. Um, yeah, you can find out Grace. everything. Um, Plating Grace is the name of the movement, mm. uh, but you can find everything at fatherleofeeds.com. That's father spelled out, leofeeds as in gives you food.com. Or just Google cooking priest and you'll find it. Even if you just Google Father Leo. My ugly face will show up on your website. But also the links to all of the shows, the books, my speaking tours, and just all of the fun that you can have when we are willing to take celebrating our faith seriously. Well, thank you for being with us today, Father. My absolute pleasure. Could we ask that you pray for us here at Cradio and Perusia Media and for the church in Australia, that the Holy Spirit would guide her on this journey. And I encourage our listeners also to keep you and your ministry Um, in their prayers. Thank you, Father. So that was Father Leo Peddling Hug. As he said, you can hear more about him at fatherleofeeds.com and for more talks, interviews and shows, you can visit cradio.org.au.